This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 312. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. A network that is very quickly expanding. I've got Jacob, my compadre and chief. Does that even make sense? It doesn't make sense. Got uh, Jacob on, and, and uh, we're just like knocking it out of the park here with all these new shows and podcasts and stuff. Yeah, we, since episode one, we've been saying ConcealedCarry.com. Well, back then it was USA Firearm Training.com network, like like it was a network and it was really just one show. But now, now here we are, 300 something episodes later, and there's three, we have three podcasts in our little network. It's awesome, dude. So, folks, uh, if you haven't already checked out the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast, uh, yes, it's geared towards women, but I know some guys that listen to it too. And also, the newest show added to the network, and that is the Firearm Trainers podcast. So, yeah, that's awesome. In fact, you know what? I think this deserves a little applause. <laughs> There you, you go. You got these buttons over there, and it just makes you so happy to tap on those buttons. <laughs> Listen, guys, before before we get too far, you should know that today's show might be the most impactful episode you've ever heard on ever. our podcast. Ever. Ever. Um, I, I virtually guarantee your mind will be blown at least Did twice. You hear that? It was just blown. The wind. I, I heard the wind. <laughs> no, it was a like, bomb. Here you go. Was that a bomb? Okay. Sound effect let me, is marginal. Let me, let, me, let me turn it up. Is that better? Better. Okay. Better. But still just That's like kinda... a big bomb. Like, Because you, you, you don't want to be too close to a big bomb, right? That's like an atom bomb or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like, it, th- this episode is like a bomb, apparently. It, it is going to be completely insane. We're going to play back an interview. Now, we already did the interview. So Riley and I have the advantage of, of, of hindsight a little bit. Like we're, We already know how amazing this is going to be today. That's right. We just recorded this a few minutes ago. Uh, we didn't have the chance to do the intro as part of the show. Uh, we had to get uh, our guest on. I'll tell you a little bit more about him in just a moment. We had to get him on and get him taken care of, you know, do the interview as quickly as we could. And he had a limited amount of time. And he was gracious to extend that by a half hour, which was incredible, which was good because there was a lot of meat that came in that last half hour. Um, all right, so today's episode, again, as Jacob said, I think this is probably one of the best in the history of the show so far. There's a number of really great episodes, but this is definitely right up there with the top. Uh, you're going to enjoy, so stay tuned for that. This episode was made possible and brought to you by CCW Safe. All right, now we've talked about a number of kind of these self-defense insurance type programs uh, that are available out there. In fact, we have the best comparison website page whatever chart we have a comparison we have a literal comparison chart lists what is it seven programs side by side bam 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 correct and you can compare all these different features and options of these programs together right there on one page it's 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 a lot to look at and it's a pretty you know condensed image but but it's the only place something like that exists that's unbiased i might add and (laughs) oh go ahead i I just think that (laughs) Two, two things I can promise you after you listen to today's podcast episode. One, if you don't already have some sort of self-defense insurance coverage thing, program membership, uh, after you listen to this today, warning, you will understand why it's imperative. Mm-hmm. And the, the second thing I can tell you is that 
by the end of this episode, if you don't have CCW safe, you're probably going to go check it out and say, wait a minute, is my, is the, is the, is the company I'm a member of what I want to stick with, or should I make a change? And this is not a commercial, you know, from Riley and I, uh, th- they made this episode possible. They really did because CCW safe interview, they introduced us to the man who we interviewed today. It was because of their uh, introduction and, and their uh, helpfulness that we were able to get Steve Maddox on the, the show today. Uh, but I, I tell you, when you hear the things that Steve will share with you about his experience with CCW Safe, you're, you, if you don't already intimately understand the differences between CCW Safe and the program you're currently a member of, uh, you're going to want to check it out. So, yep. two, two links that will be helpful uh, www.concealedcarry.com forward slash insurance. And that will take you to the comparison chart Riley was mentioning. It's a big, massive uh, chart of a thing. And you can, you can see there, you can compare your program with, with, with any other program or all the programs or whatever it is. And then below the chart is our links directly to each of those individual company websites. So you can go to them and read more about it or join or whatever it might be. And we certainly encourage you to use those links because uh, it does help us as a company in a variety of, of ways as we continue to move forward. And if you want to just go and learn more about CCW Safe, the link uh, for that as as today's you know honorary sponsor, as you said, Riley, is www.concealedcarry.com forward slash CCW Safe. All one word. Yep. There you go. Good stuff. All right. We also want to let you know that today, actually this week, we have a special deal available on our site. You can go to concealedcarry.com's online store and search by category holsters. And any holster this week only through our site, 15% off. All you got to do is use the coupon code TAXDAY15. T-A-X-D-A-Y-1-5. TAXDAY15. Save you 15%. I believe that goes through Sunday, Sunday night. Mm, I think so. So use use coupon code TAXDAY15 to save 15% off any holster available on concealedcarry.com uh, online store. All right? Good stuff. All right. And then also, uh, we already kind of mentioned that uh, we've got the new Firearm Trainers podcast uh, out. Uh, It's still not yet officially, finally approved by iTunes for Apple Podcasts, but it is elsewhere. We encourage you to go check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. And especially if you enjoy listening to John Goodman talk about firearms, because that's pretty much who we paid to host the new Firearm Trainers podcast. And let me tell you that 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 deal was not cheap. Getting John Goodman <laughs> to represent us for the new podcast. <laughs> Riley's teasing. It's not really John Goodman, but poor Rob. Rob Beckman is the host of the new podcast, and he he gets he hears it about ten times a day that he sounds just like John Goodman, <laughs> and he he definitely's got that radio voice. So you're going to enjoy listening to the Firearm Trainers podcast. And if you haven't already, you know. For sure, also check out Not Your Average Gun Girls. Uh, that podcast, you can find it anywhere podcasts are available or at notyouraveragegungirls.com. Yeah. I might mention we've got not only John Goodman, but we have uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger that both work for uh, concealedcarry.com now. <laughs> our, our social media manager, Mitch, does a mean Schwarzenegger impression. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> All right. So, folks, let me just introduce to you what's about to happen right now. All right. So, in just a moment, I'm going to bring on and uh, play back the interview that we just had with Stephen Maddox, who is the man that was introduced to us by CCW Safe. And he is a remarkable individual with a remarkable story and case, a legal case. He was charged with murder, with first degree murder. And this happened in North Carolina a couple of years back. What was it 2015? Fall 2015. Yep. And uh, that 
So he was in a situation where he had to use deadly force to defend himself from a violent attack. And uh, that resulted in the death of a man. And what came afterward was, again, as I said, he was charged with murder. And he had then a two-year-long legal defense uh, that he had to, to get through. And he shares with us that entire story, what, the, what, the, what, the, what happened that fateful day, what happened in the aftermath, what the defense was like going through that whole process. And also, of course, you know, as we already mentioned and alluded to, CCW Safe plays a big part, a big role in all of this and made it, frankly, possible for Stephen. All right. And so Stephen was, was uh, uh, a little bit hesitant, I think, but, but also very willing to talk with. He talk with us. He just he's he's still kind of keeping a low profile. We we did this whole podcast live on Facebook as well with video, but he didn't want to be on the video cast. So it's just me and Jacob and and you're just going to be hearing uh Steven's voice throughout. And I apologize in advance. There is a, a few places where the connectivity with his phone gets kind of rough. Uh we do our best to get through that. And that's just that's just how it goes sometimes. So there's there's some audio uh, less than ideal audio quality type issues, but uh, it, the content is what's important. So you ready, Jacob? All right. Uh, I am hitting that play button now. It's, it's quite the story. First of all, folks, you need to understand that uh, his story is, uh, uh, of course, every story that's like this is unique, but uh, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to start. Don't you think, Stephen? I mean, would you just kind of give us a quick uh, rundown of uh, the events of that fateful day that is kind of, you know, it's changed your life, right? So if you, if you wouldn't mind maybe walking us through some of the details of your, um, story. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, back in 20, uh, okay, Steven, back. we're having a connectivity yeah. issue from your side there, buddy. Yeah. The audio is just a little bit rough. So saying I have three bars, um, I'm, I'm not in yeah. area. It seems to be better now. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, much better now. Take that position you're in. Stay right there, just like that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's 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 do that. Can you guys hear me? Okay, right now. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'll <laughs> stay right here and um, pretty much uh, and and take the call from here. So basically, uh, about um, October of 2015, there was an incident happened where an individual um, attacked me three times. Um, prior to that October night. Um, this individual that I knew, um, he wasn't a friend, but we um, knew individuals that were in the same circle. Um, so he had a previous issue with the way I was driving my motorcycle. And um, pretty much my response was, you know, it's my motorcycle and I'll ride it the way I want to. Um, at hindsight, that was probably the knowing what I know now, um, I would have just ignored him. Sometimes it's not good to even, um, you know, argue or disagree with someone because some people are not rational. So um, from that night on, um, he had an issue with me that I did not know about until later on during the trial. Um, and October was my first time seeing him, which was several months later after that first uh, disagreement. Um, the, the individual, um, apparently what I found out later on during the trial, which was two years later, had uh, bragged about what he was going to do to me next time he saw me. Um, I had no idea about that was going on. Um, he shared messages with people through um, social media as well as uh, posted pictures of me to people 
on how he was going to drag me across the asphalt. Um, I knew none of that at the time. Um, so fast forward to October 17th, um, we're at a, in a convention center and it was his first time seeing me. Um, his wife was there as well. Um, according to her testimony, um, he saw me going to the bathroom when I first got there and he basically came to the bathroom to do what he claimed he was going to do to, um, you know, physically what he was going to do to me, uh, what he bragged about doing to me. Um, just to put things in perspective, I was, I'm 5'10". Um, I was roughly 180 pounds. This individual was somebody that was, um, 6'3", 6'4", uh, 300 pounds. Mm. And so, um, he wore these big brass uh, rings on every finger and, um, he was the bad guy. He was the big tough guy. So he was basically going to show me a lesson. Um, he followed me into the bathroom and jumped on me for the first time. Um, physically picked me up and slammed me on a dance floor in front of hundreds of people and uh, proceeded to choke me um, on the floor as his wife kicked me in the back of the head. Um, again, this is her testimony. And um, she claimed it took four guys to pull him off of me. It was four security guards that pulled him off of me. Um, during that struggle, I did have a uh, box knife um, that was on my keychain. Um, I tried to cut him, do anything I could to get him off me. Um, and he would not get off me as he straddled me, choking me. Um, I got off the dance floor after the four security guards pulled him off of me. I ran outside to my surprise. Him and his wife had went out the side entrance, cut me off and they jumped me again. Um, his wife, which was a, uh, equally big woman, um, jumped on me while her husband, um, pinned me up against the car. After that, I grabbed my cell phone, ran to my uh, motorcycle. I retrieved my revolver and I started to dial 911. As I'm on the phone with 911, he pulled up to me on his motorcycle and rushed towards me. Um, mm. And just to put things in perspective, that night, his wife, she agreed she had her gun on her. Um, he's known to carry guns. Um, as he was rushing to me, he was reaching his waistline and, um, I shot him two times, um, in the upper chest area after shooting him two times within, let's say, um, less than, you know, a couple of yards, he was still able to get me on the ground. He tackled me to the ground where we rolled around on the ground several times. Um, and I shot him three more times in the lower leg area. Um, that was the only one of the only areas where I can kind of raise the gun to. And um, according to eyewitness testimony, um, we rolled around on the ground for several seconds and um, I discharged my firearm a total of three times while we were on the ground. Uh, I get up from the incident um, and I run around the building. 911 is now calling me back from the hangup call. Mm. Um, I'm on the phone with 911 for nine to 10 minutes, uh, telling them, trying to tell them where I am. Um, this event took place in the town that I've never been to, um, had no idea where I was. So I'm just trying to run down to street signs, telling them what's around me. Um, so within nine to 10 minutes, the police finally arrived. Um, and I told them exactly where I was. At this point, I left my motorcycle and where the shooting happened to run on another side of the building because after I shot him a total of five times, when I turned around just to make sure he wasn't going to shoot me in the back, I wasn't sure if he had his gun on him. 
I actually saw him getting off the ground trying to get on his motorcycle. So in my mind, mm. I mean, all this is happening so quickly. I don't know if uh, he's going to come around the corner and shoot me. I don't know. If I, you know, I'm just trying to get the police out there. Um, mm. Cooperated with the police. Uh, they told me to put my firearm down. Uh, went through all the commands. Uh, was taken down to the police department. Um, I cooperated for a total of three hours, which at hindsight, me never, ever having to deal with uh, the judicial system or other than a speeding ticket, um, you know, you say only bad people need to lawyer up. And the biggest mistake I made that night was the fact that I did cooperate. I told them everything that happened. I went into details to the best of my ability to recap what happened. And um, in the police eyes, they had a dead guy on a Saturday night and at the event, and they had to charge me with uh, first degree murder. And I was taken across the street and booked in a county jail with no bond. Um, there was over 24 surveillance cameras out there that night. The police took um, names and license tags of hundreds of people. There was eyewitnesses that actually saw the shooting. There was eyewitnesses that saw the attacks, the two previous attacks before the shooting. None of those people were interviewed. I was charged with first degree murder without looking at facts and details. And basically the police got the police officer said, it seems like you're a nice guy, but you know, we got a dead body on a Saturday night. So, you know, we got to book you. Mm. Um, me being naive and, again, never being in a criminal justice system or dealing with anything, I knew this is Sunday morning by the time I get booked in the county jail. I knew sure. on Monday morning they were going to look at the police surveillance. They were going to basically interview the witnesses and that, you know, my, I would be released from jail on Monday morning. Um, that's me being naive, uh, the individual that's never been involved with the judicial system. Um, not only was I not released, they basically said that they were not going to give me a bond. Um, the words of the district attorney was that I am a, um, danger to the community based off of this situation. So, um, I was taken back to the county jail and I was put back in, um, a cell for a total of two weeks. CCW Safe um, worked the obtaining lawyers, and so just to rewind some, without my knowledge, when I was finally charged with first degree murder, um, I called my family and I called CCW Safe. Mm. This is now four or five o'clock Sunday morning, um, which is uh, six or seven hours after the shooting on Saturday night. Um, CCW Safe, without me knowing, I talked to the legal counsel told them what happened, told them where I was and had no idea what the follow-up process was. And quite frankly, didn't even think that they were going to do everything that they did. Had no idea what the services was going to give me. Um, now Sunday how, morning, how long oh, had you sorry, been, a, how long had you been a member? I'm just curious. I was, I was a member for um, several months. I had just hmm. found out about CCW safe, um, the July prior to the shooting and I enrolled in my membership, um, uh, probably a couple of months before the shooting, hmm. not a new member. 
Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause this right here just because I want to I want to I have a couple clarifying questions about the incident sure. before we get into the aftermath. Um, a couple different times I found it interesting, Steve. You you said something along the lines of according to that person's testimony or according to witnesses, al- almost kind of you gave me the impression that your memory of that event isn't that clear, or or maybe you were just trying to you know illustrate that, hey, you know, this is what happened and I know, you know, and it's backed up by witness statements. But yeah. were there, are there parts of that story where, you know, it was unclear to you or you didn't remember at first or, I mean, kind of talk about, you know, your your ability to kind of recall the events over over time. Right. So the, the first incident, there was a lot of testimony and a lot of um, uh, statements that, that I was not aware of or of how the events happened. Um, for example, I remember I remember being slammed and falling on a dance floor. I don't remember how he got on top of me, and I don't remember all the details of how I got up. Um, I have no idea. I don't recall that. Um, I remember trying to work my way through the crowd, trying to get out the entrance I came in, and I remember being shocked that he was already outside, um, which I just didn't understand how that was possible. I didn't realize there was a side door. I do remember that. Um, but, and I do remember running back to my motorcycle after the second incident, which felt like an eternity. Uh, my legs were, were shot. I mean, that was the first time I had a physical, um, altercation in 30 years. So, um, again, I think I consider myself being in shape, but when you deal with a physical attack that lasts for four minutes, um, it feels like an eternity. So to answer your question, there was a lot of things that happened that night. For example, um, the police cars arrived and I have blood on me um, and the police say, are you injured? And I said, no, I think it's his blood on me when he was on top of me. Um, my, my, my last shot was when he was on, tack- on top of me. So his blood was on me. And I don't recall that. I don't recall telling the officers that. But me telling the police officers that arrived on site that night allowed the jury to see that when I sat down with those officers that night and told and gave them a three-hour interview, I never talked about me being on the ground or him being on top of me. That 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 was something that my mind kind of fragmented. So um, there was more details that I gave when I'm out there with the police and their cameras are running, their body cameras. The cameras in the police car and is picking up audio and all that kind of stuff. Those details, when it happened seconds after the shooting, I did not sit down and tell the officers that um, during my three-hour interview. So they thought that this was nonchalant. This guy shot him off his motorcycle, and you know we're gonna lock him up. And here it is. Had I shared some of those details that I that I shared with the officers that arrived on site it may have uh, prevented them from charging me with first-degree murder. So long story short, there are pieces of the story that I got during the testimony that supported what I uh, told the officers that night, but I have no recollection. I don't remember those events. So um, to this day, I, I struggle with, the, with memory loss, not just with this situation, but um, I, I, I struggle with retaining information um, that goes on professionally, personally. Um, so I have been impacted by it. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's important. I, and we all, 
I think that a lot of gun owners, they hear these kind of stories. They've heard this kind of thing, right? They've been told, hey, you may not remember things just the same or, you know, you know we, we hear that kind of thing. But to hear it coming from your mouth, someone who's lived it, who's been there, who's who's had that happen to them, it's different and validates it in a way that's that, that you can't get in a classroom where your instructor just says, oh, yeah, that happens. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's oh, – go ahead. Do you have, guys have any more questions about – yeah, I, I was going to ask a little bit about your firearm-related background. So obviously, you had just joined CCW Safe a couple uh, months earlier, uh, but I was curious. You know, would you describe yourself as a person who shoots a lot, has a lot of firearm training experience, takes classes? I mean, give us a sense for you know going into that. Uh, what degree of training or, or firearm proficiency did you have? Yeah, so um, in the state of North Carolina. So first of all, um, when I turned twenty-one. Um, I applied for my first uh, gun permit. That was my first uh, birthday gift to myself at the age of 21. Um, I, I purchased firearm when I received my permit. Um, been carrying firearms since the age of 21 lawfully. Um, prior to the age of 21, um, I had never shot a firearm. Um, so that was uh, over the years, I would say I, I go to the range maybe five or six times a year. Um, mm -hmm. So for the last 20 years, um, I've collected firearms, um, you know, went through CC uh, training to carry consult, which is the state. Mm -hmm. sounds, oh. sounds like we lost you there. Steve, you just went real quiet all of a sudden. Can you guys hear me now? Yep. Okay. You're, yep, back. you're back. Yep. Where, where did we lose him, Jacob? Yeah, we we you know you were talking about kind of you know you go to the range five six times a year over the last uh, twenty years. You had taken the class, you know. So you, so uh, my sense is you had a pretty deg high degree of familiarity, uh, pretty high degree of comfort carrying the gun, uh, and you you had several guns. Uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> we might have lost you again, Steve. Got to find that sweet spot again. <laughs> yeah, we're still not still not picking you up, buddy. Um, you know, while we wait for, now? oh, there we go. Okay. Can you hear me? Get? Okay. Yep. You're good now. Okay. All right. Next time I'll make sure I'm in the environment that's on Wi-Fi. I, I didn't think it'd be this uh, complicated. So I apologize. <laughs> we did, that, that's partly our fault for, for forcing you to use our system here um, so that we could be live with everybody on Facebook. And, and we're getting tons of really great comments here from, from people listening. So let's let's shift a little bit. And I want to make a quick disclaimer before we dive in too much more. But guys, this is, this is important to understand. We didn't ask uh, Steve on here um, to... To be, you know, to make this a commercial for CCW Safe, obviously it's a it's a big marketplace. There's lots of competitors, and you're you're welcome to be a member of whatever you want to be a member of, and and that's fine. But I do think it's important to understand um, how organizations like CCW Safe, and in this case, we're talking specifically about CCW Safe, how they assist with this process, and and what you know. Why, why are these kind of organizations so valuable? Because I think, Steve, your legal aftermath was the first introduction I had to your incident. I, I knew more about your, you know, the, the case and what had happened uh, on the legal side you know, far before I ever found out what actually happened in your physical altercation. And I think that you know, it, it's, it's really intriguing to me um, as, as we talk about that. So let's, let's kind of go back to that. You said you had, you know, so, the incident happens on a Saturday night, Sunday morning, very early. You make a phone call. You don't really know what they're going to do. You know, you hang up the phone. You're like, yeah, I guess that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna help me out or something. That then what? That's correct. And, and stop me at any point if you guys uh, can't hear me. Okay, all right. Uh, can you guys hear me okay right now? Yep, you're good. Okay. 
So um, several hours after the shooting, um, uh, apparently there was a um, individual that um, I've talked to, John Riser, who I've talked to uh, dozens of times, and I'll share how he's helped me um, get through those. But unfortunately, I've never had the privilege of meeting him face to face. But at the time, he was part of the critical response team, and he was in North Carolina um, within 12 hours after the shooting. Um, he was working with local lawyers and he contacted my family. Um, he went up to my job, um, just basically trying to get my family to understand what was going on. So that Monday morning, he was actually in a courtroom during my bond hearing where I was denied bond. And from a legal standpoint, he was able to explain to my family members, you know, the legal terms, what this meant, you know, and just the whole process, which was foreign to not just me, but my whole family. Um, He worked with the local lawyers to pretty much set up emergency bond hearing, which was scheduled a couple of weeks later. Um, Again, he went to my job and he worked with the bond, um, I guess, what do you call it, the the bonds, um, the individuals, the the bail. The bail bonds. Bells bonds, yeah. Yeah, he kind of coordinated all that and kind of worked with CCW Safe in the event that I was able to get a bond, that all the administrative stuff was already in process. So I'm going to pause you right there, Steve, because I think a couple of things that are important here, and we have a lot of questions coming in from people asking questions about insurance stuff. Guys, if you want to learn more about CCW Safe or any of the competitors, you can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash insurance. Uh, CCW Safe is, is, a, is a very reputable, you know, good good option out there. But uh, two, two things I want to clarify, Steve. One, you you mentioned a couple of times he went to your job. Now I I happen to have heard this story offline, but for the benefit of everybody here, uh, what I understood was you were terminated, and when the CCW Safe guy went went to talk to your employer, he was able to renegotiate your severance. Is is that true? Yeah. yeah. One of the things is because of awesome. the uh, non disclosure thing. Well, I, I don't want to talk about all the details, but I would just say that um, they made a bad situation. Um, you know, much better. At the end of the day, I end up not being able to um, continue with my work. I uh, travel internationally. Um, the, the you know, bond required me not to not only travel outside of Durham, but I definitely would not be able to travel internationally. So at the end of the day, um, the legal system prevented me from being able to fulfill my, um, my, my, my job requirements. And um, at the end of the day, I resigned from the company, but there was, um, I can tell you that CCW safe made that whole transition much better than what it would have been. If that makes sense. Yep. No, that's fine. That's fine. Fine amount of detail. So, so they, they help make the transition away from employment better. And I, I, I understand we can't, we may not be able to disclose more details. And then you also mentioned the bells bondsman. That's important. So the, the rep from CCW safe shows up, they, they they help set get a new hearing set for a new so you can get some bail. They go to the bail bondsman. They negotiate and, and pay for the the you know I, I assume they pay for or make arrangements to pay for the bond itself, right? Yes, that was they actually did pay for it directly. My not me or my family had to come out of pocket for the five hundred thousand dollar bond requirement. Five hundred thousand dollars. Yes half a million dollar bond, I believe. Uh, and again, not, me not being familiar with the legal system and me having CCW safe, there's a percentage of that they have to pay up, you know, and I guess the rest is backed up through um, the bond company. And again, you know, fortunately, I did not have to learn or get involved with that whole process because they coordinated that. Mm. But at the end of the day, my bond was a half million dollars and I did not pay one penny. And and how out of curiosity, from from you being released on bond on bail, 
to you having to come back in court. How? I mean, you said that the trial was two years later, right? Yes, it was almost two years later by the time I was found not guilty. Yeah. yeah. So, so hanging out in, in, you know, in jail for all that time would have really sucked. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, so your job was, uh, you know, there were some complications there. Uh, what did you do during this this two year period? I mean, were you able to pick up some other stuff on the side, or, or you know, how did you how did you cope with all this? This this would be life changing, completely flipping, and turning your life all the way upside down. Right. You know, at, at the time I was in a leadership position for an international company and um, I was uh, emotional wreck. So I think even if I would have been able to continue, there's no way in the world I would have been able to get up and go to work and fulfill my um, obligations with uh, the mental impact that it has to um, me as well as what I saw my family go through, which uh, just um, made things 10 times worse. Right. It's not just you. So, you know, one of the things is I just say that for me, I, I did everything I possibly could to avoid having to use deadly force. Um, I can tell you that it, it bothers me when I hear individuals say, well, if someone's on my property, I'm going to shoot them. If someone's stealing out of my car, I'm going to shoot them. You know, I just want to say that when you decide to discharge a firearm and shoot someone, that it's a life changing event for your whole family. And you may be able to deal with it, but ask yourself, can your children, can your wife, can they, can they deal with all the um, scrutiny of being charged or someone, um, you know, losing their life because you had to defend yourself? So um, at the end of the day, I was found not guilty, but there are individuals that can't comprehend or understand how someone can carry a firearm. And those type of individuals will continue to judge you no matter what the situation is. And you may be able to deal with that, but can your wife or your children get up and go to school and go to their job and have to deal with the fact that, you know, what you may have chose to do. Mm -hmm. So, um, what, one other thing before we continue too that I, I find remarkable that you said, and, and again, I, I'm not trying, I'm trying real hard not to turn this into a commercial guys, but, this is something that really I find remarkable about CCW Safe, and that is just purely the fact that it's it's boots on the ground. When you called them, they showed up. I mean, they didn't they didn't call a local attorney and make an arrangement for you guys to meet. You know, at the jail cell, they a CCW Safe person was physically on the ground helping your family. That's correct. Yes, working with the local lawyers and just vetting that whole process. And behind the scenes, you know, you had um, the rest of the CCW Safe team working remotely. But John was, I mean, and my family spoke highly of him. Um, I can't tell you enough about the critical response team. Um, I, I, there were a lot of dark moments um, from the time of, you know, losing your job and being charged with first-degree murder, the impact to your family. Um, there were some dark days that I don't even want to get into detail on because it's still emotional to me um and then on top of that you know excuse my language but you know then you're charged with first degree murder so here it is you survived one incident where you know the the you know where you could have lost a lot could have lost my life um and then you know now the state of north carolina is trying to you know they gave me a, a firearm permit to carry a firearm for self-defense what else is a firearm for right a pistol so you give me a permit you 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 say that I'm responsible. I qualify for it. I use it, and now you want to basically take my life away from me and put me in prison for the rest of my life. Because that's that's the result. In the state of North Carolina, 
It's the rest of your natural life in prison for first degree murder. So um, I don't know. I can't even there's not enough time or words for me to comprehend what goes through your mind emotionally and mentally when you look at that and what you're dealing with and what your family has to deal with. Um, So, yeah. yeah. So I I don't know if I answered your question, but um, John, actually, John Reisenhoover, I talked to him every single day. He didn't request that I call. He insisted that I want to hear from you every single day. I want to know what's on your mind. And there was at least five times over the first 90 days that it was a very dark, depressing period I was going through. And I can tell you that John actually helped me get through those moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And just having somebody that's been through shootings, you know, been involved in shootings or been shot, he knew exactly what was going on in my mind. And he didn't give me some cookie-cut book approach on what to do. He didn't give me breathing techniques. He actually literally was able to give me um, 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 things that would help release the endorphins and burn off the, 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 the anger and the rage and the, and the hurt and the sadness that I had in me. And, um, you know, forget the money. Forget the money. I, CCW safe. the biggest thing they did for me was the emotional support that they did for me and my family. That's the biggest thing. All through the whole trial, a two-year period, these individuals supported me, the whole team. Um, that right there, that's priceless compared to the legal services that they took care of for me. So, um, and again, I, I don't know much about the other services. All I can speak for is me being involved with the shooting, being charged with first-degree murder, and having to go through the legal aspects as well as the emotional and mental aspects that's associated with having to defend your life. Yeah, I don't think enough can be can be said, you know, for what you just said, right? That I think, and, and this is one of those things we just don't really think about. And it's not something we can put in a chart. Uh, it's not something, you know, that we can really impart on someone. It's, it's, it's easy to tell people, listen, you know, this might be the most expensive thing you ever do. You want to have coverage, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I think that sometimes people just, and, and without being there, I mean, it's almost impossible for, for a guy like me, Steve, to fully comprehend what you're saying, right? That the, 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 the impact emotionally, not just on, 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 on you, but on your family. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I can be sympathetic, but I don't think any of us can be really empathetic unless we've been there. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I hope, let me tell you, you know, it's one of those things we, we have, uh, you know, umbrella policies, we increase our insurance for our vehicles more than what the state requires. You do all that because you want to be prepared, but you hope you never have to use your umbrella policy. You hope you never have to use your ADD life insurance policy, but those things in place for worst case scenario, you know, I just hope that no one has to go through what I went through, but in the event that you have to go through it, um, I, I, I can vouch for CCW safe. Uh, and, and, Again, you can you can just Google it and you can see what they did for me and my family. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna. I'll talk, and I we're just getting too many questions for us to avoid it. So I, I promise, guys, at the very end, we'll talk a little bit more about CCW Safe and 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 some things like that. But let's, Jacob, let's talk, Jacob, real quick. Ahead. Yeah. Um, how are you doing on time, Stephen? Because I think we're probably up 
pretty close to where you said you needed to. Yeah, I, I, I've, uh, I just uh, while we've been on the phone, I kind of texted and made uh, arrangements. So I would say we can go for another half an hour if needed. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. I apologize okay. that that we got kind of started off uh, a little late as well. So uh, carry on, Jacob, because uh, you're I leading hear... the charge here. Yep. So I want to I want to get into a little bit into the trial. So you know we have a two year period before you even go to trial. That's that's not horribly unusual for this right. kind of a charge. Investigation, talk, discovery, yeah, all this stuff. All this on. kind of stuff, right? So, so obviously, CCW Safe, they're not, you know, you, you have local attorneys and CCW Safe, they're, they're providing kind of, uh, you know, behind the scenes support for your attorneys who are representing you. So, talk just, you know, briefly about what do those two years look like, you know, for you? What, what's, what's taking place? What's going on? What, you know, how does that all go together? Yeah. So, um, you know, probably around a new year, a couple months after the shooting, we're into, um, 2016 and I start trying, you know, financially, you know, the bills got to get paid and, you know, there are things life carries on. Right. So, um, I started applying for jobs in January and I went on dozens of interviews. Um, and then all of a sudden radio silence, um, could not get any feedback. And again, um, my resume, I, these individuals that contacted me, whether it's through LinkedIn or, you know, indeed, and I just couldn't understand why all of a sudden they would just go dark. So um, during that period, I mean, I applied for dozens and dozens of jobs, probably over 100 jobs and um, no luck um, with actually being able to be hired. Um, again, I have uh, 20 at the time I had 23 years of supply chain management experience, um, education, and everything like that. Uh, you know, I, I knew it was something else other than the fact of my background, my um, work background. So um, there was individuals, recruiters, for example, that would say, well, we, we Googled your name and we saw that you were charged with first degree murder. What's going on with that? And my response was, um, I, I'm on, my, on bond right now and um, I'm looking forward to my day in court. Well, only after a certain period of time, you know, they, you don't hear anything back. Um, no one wants to touch a guy that uh, have hire you for executive or bring you on into their leadership, you know, job with uh, those charges. Right. Um, so I, I went without working until June of, uh, 2016. Um, there was a headhunter that reached out to me. Um, obviously you all know they get paid a certain percentage of whatever your starting salary was. I don't know if she overlooked the information or what it was, but, um, she was responsible for the vetting process. Um, there was an application I submitted and the application says, have you ever been convicted? of any uh, crimes? And my answer was no. Uh, since I had not had my day in court, um, I received the job. Um, and I went back into a management position um, at a startup company. I worked there um, all the way into trial. They had no idea what was going on. Um, so for a year, about over a year, um, I'm performing my professional obligations at work, as well as dealing with this black cloud of uh, uh, a first degree uh, murder trial. And um, fast forward to July of 2017, um, I had to walk into the office. I was reporting to the CFO at the time. Um, he was on vacation. So again, I never mentioned anything to my employees because me being naive, I said, this DA is going to look at this, uh, all this information. I know that what happened because, um, just to rewind some, CCW Safe conducted a thorough investigation 
weeks after me being released. They jumped into investigational mode, hired a private investigator and talked to uh, dozens of witnesses. So we knew exactly what happened that day. For those of you all that are not familiar with the judicial system, you think that they are looking at evidence. The district attorney, as well as the detectives, did not start contacting our witnesses until six weeks before trial. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. So all those individuals that I talked about that I said that, you know, when they took down license tag numbers, um, they took down names, they took down, you know, they looked at cameras. Our So one of the things that uh, in my indictment, I don't know if, and so this for people that are not familiar with the legal system, you're um, charged with the crime. And then it goes to um, a grand jury for you to be indicted. Well, in the indictment, they basically told the judge that um, Mr. Maddox is lying about this second altercation because the video evidence shows him retrieving his firearm at the same time that the attacker was coming out the side door. Right. So in their mind, I was lying about everything. I made it up. So this was the justification for them to get warrants. On my social media, they subpoenaed um, our, our uh, all our social media pages. They subpoenaed our phone records, our GPS coordinates, um, e anything that they were able to get. And so I want to talk about that as well when it comes down to privacy and things you may post. In my eyes, um, I've never been one to wear my emotions on my sleeve, so I don't post a lot of stuff on social media. I don't share my opinions on political um, things and all that kind of stuff. So... Just to fast forward some, um, the 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 DA as well as the officers did not review all that discovery package until um, six to eight nine weeks before trial. So CCW Safe had hired a private investigator, and within weeks of me being indicted, they already knew that the video surveillance was on two separate DVRs, and that one was X amount of minutes ahead of the other one. So they knew that the justification for charging me with first-degree murder was complete bull. So it wasn't until six weeks before trial that the police officers realized that the surveillance was on two separate DVRs, or maybe they knew and they just ignored that. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But they, they admitted it six weeks before trial and released a whole new discovery. So for us, we already knew that. So take it mm. back some. Most people do not have the funds to defend themselves, so they end up taking a, a plea deal. So for those individuals that are not familiar with the judicial system, it doesn't matter about facts. It doesn't matter about evidence. The system is set up to throw you in jail, make it difficult for you, and force you to take a plea deal no matter what the facts and evidence have because most people do not see their day in court like I did. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. And, yeah. and realize too, I mean, you were in such a, 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 a great position because you have CCW safe, helping you along through this process, paying for legal expenses, uh, doing all this investigation behind the scenes. And most people, if they couldn't afford the attorney, they're getting a public defender and you don't know who you're going to get. And not only that, there may be a conflict of interest as far as that public defender. Hey, there's an opportunity to uh, make a plea deal. They might very well push you towards that because, you know, why not? Like, they just want this case done behind me sort of thing, right? right. Um, so 
yes, uh, really, really great, great point there to realize that these types of cases cost a lot of money. Do you have any sense at all for what, has anyone ever mentioned any dollars or cents uh, to you at all that, or, or, hey, you know what, if you had to pay for this yourself, this is about what it would have cost? Absolutely. So there was extensive amount of money paid for expert witnesses. We knew that the medical examiner, so the medical examiner that signed off on the report under oath, she admitted that, um, that, that there was a trainee that actually conducted the autopsy and she signed off on it. So for example, they thought I, they assumed I was right-handed and that the bullet trajectory was going from inside out on, on the, the shots to the legs, to the, um, the, the two entries on the, on the leg. Um, I told them when they even tried to test my right hand for gun residue, I said, look, I'm saying I'm left-handed. I use my left hand, but they proceeded to want to test my right hand, right? Just the craziest thing. Um, so the medical examiner uh, basically had this synopsis that the police typed up of what they thought happened. And this synopsis that's given to the medical examiner, the state medical examiner pretty much wrote their report based off of this synopsis on what the detectives thought happened. So CCW Safe had to hire when we they show the x-rays and the pictures um, to the to the expert witness. The expert witness said this is all wrong. So my legal team went back to the state medical examiner. She agreed that, you know what, your guy is right. This is wrong. The trajectory and everything is wrong. So she actually amended the, her initial report weeks before the trial. And she blamed the person that was actually conducting the uh, autopsy. So you guys follow that? Oh, so yeah. Here it is. The, 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 the medical examiner works for the state. They're going off of the theory of the state. So... That report's not written off of facts. It's written off of someone's opinion. And had CCW Safe not hired those expert witnesses, me, as well as the judge and the jury, would have only heard the state version of what happened. And it was complete nonsense. So, yeah, so this already started. I can already see the dollar signs like piling up here. Like right. we, got, we have private investigators, we have expert witnesses, we got people running around interviewing uh, witnesses and and looking at you know video. I mean, it, it sounds intense. Yeah. And you have and you and you have two lawyers working a case for a total of uh, eighteen months. So it was a total of three hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> By the way, we got Andrew Branca. He's been commenting in the Facebook comments, and uh, and he just said this kind of to your point, Jacob. Good lawyers get paid up front. Expert witnesses get paid up front. Private investigators get paid up front. All these people know that if they are not paid up front, they never get paid. Yeah. So yeah. if you want the best defense, you you got to have resources. You got to have money, and uh, that's why you know we con- we frequently talk on our podcast about you know, it's maybe not the, the the right thing for everybody, or you might not decide it's the right thing for you, but everybody should at least look at these various self-defense, you know, I always put this in air quotes, insurance, because they're not necessarily insurance, or all of them are not necessarily insurance, these self-defense insurance or legal representation programs. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's, I know you're short on time, Steve, but I, I've heard other things about your case that I know we haven't gotten to yet. I wanted to just talk about the trial really quickly. Uh, how long did the trial last? Um, was it, was it sort of like a slam dunk, like, Hey, state morons, like 
look all the stuff you screwed up, obviously I'm innocent, or did it feel more dragged out and difficult and, and the burden of proof was, was challenging? No, I don't think that, in, in my opinion, one of the things is um, the, the even when the state presented their evidence, um, the lawyers did a good job of showing how the detectives and um, everyone did a poor piss job with doing their job and how CCW Safe pretty much had to hire and pay somebody you know, sixty, eighty thousand dollars to go out and do the, the, the what the detective should have done. So it was a lot of embarrassment on the state, and I believe that, in my opinion, the the, the district attorney gave up on the trial halfway through it. He gave up. Um, he threw in the towel because I think he was blindsided by a lot of the stuff that he th- he was told, and the facts backed that up. So um, I think within the first three days, while they were still presenting their evidence, that case pretty much, um, you know, caved in. Um, So once, go ahead. Well, here's what's something I heard, and you can say I I can neither confirm nor deny, or you can say, yeah, that's true or or whatever. But I I heard that, you know, during the jury selection process, I mean, these are those little details that we would just spend hours if we covered them all. But I heard that during the jury selection process, CCW Safe actually had, had a team behind your attorney's uh, bench uh, vetting jurors like via some third party system remotely and then passing on details you know all, i mean it's, it feels like like a movie right like do we keep this juror or get rid of them uh, send the, send this person's name off check their social media pro- you know I don't, I don't know how extensive that is but is that true right that that is true um so basically what they were doing you know obviously you have someone up there you know they have the poker face on and um, you know, these individuals that it's it's some people that don't like uh, individuals who carry firearms. They can't wrap their mind around why you um, have the right to carry a firearm. But, you yeah. know, you know, I have the right to have my opinion according to the First Amendment. And you can't take that away from me. But you should not be carrying a gun according to your Second Amendment. And it's you just have some people out there that they shut down and they don't want to, you know, nothing to do with it. And if they do, they're not in your favor. And, you know, fortunately, those type of individuals are very emotional and they put their um, opinions on social media. So obviously, if you uh, have someone that's in a jury pool that uh, against, you know, individuals that, um, you know, like to, uh, you know, carry firearms, they're, they're, they're not going to be in your favor no matter what the facts are. Right. No matter what the evidence is, I can't support somebody that had to take somebody else's life. And so that third party verification where they're going through and checking individual social media, um, trying to find people that relate to me that might have the same professional background, all those things play a role with somebody being able to connect to you and understand and put their self in my shoe. So um, that did that work was conducted by CCW Safe, which gave my lawyers to advantage to find individuals that can relate to me and basically put their self in my shoes and be willing to be open-minded to say, what would you have done in this situation? Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Anything else Incredible. from your trial that you want to, you want to share, Steve, just any other details or, or thoughts or. No, I, I, yeah, I, I would just say that, um, you know, again, it's the, the money was one thing, but I always, I have this saying, had I been a billionaire and I had a billion dollars or a million dollars sitting in the bank or dedicated towards uh, my defense, I would not have known where to start. Um, I would not have known what things to say. For example, my lawyer got up there and went over my background uh, for the last 20 years. And he said, this DA pretty much said that, you know, this guy's a danger to society. And 
wants to revoke his right to bond. And the judge actually said, well, you know, what else has happened? What else has this guy done other than a situation for you to feel that he's a danger? And the DA sat down. So all that professional work, being able to find uh, a private investigator, being able to have uh, a count legal counsel team within CCW Safe that coordinated efforts with uh, other expert witnesses, I would have not known where to start had I had a million dollars in the bank. So um, I'm saying that to say that it's not the money. It's also, the, again, the emotional support and the knowledge and background that the uh, executives have at CCWC. Hmm. Speaking of uh, knowledge, background, experience, you know, on the executive team at CCW Safe, uh, Don West is their national trial counsel. And if you don't know who Don West is, you you know that at least one of the cases that he's worked on, that he led the charge on, and that was George Zimmerman's case, which is a high-profile, controversial case in the media and in, in the public uh, court of opinion as well. And Don West, like like the professional he is, represented uh, Zimmerman very well, and uh, you know got 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 the win in that case. So uh, I mean, this is a kind of team that uh, is assembled at a company like CCW Safe, uh, guys like Don West that. He, these guys know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. They know how these cases work. They know how the system works. And yeah. uh, it's well, one of the best teams out there. Not even just attorneys, you know, Steve, but you, you mentioned executives. And I think it's, you know, it's worth some clarity. And, 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 and Riley and I, we know a lot of people from a lot of different companies. So this is, again, not us trying to poo-poo yeah. on anyone. But CCW Safe, uh, the executives are ex-cops. The two, the two co-founders are ex-cops. They've both been in uh, in, in shooting incidents, uh, and 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 Mike, the the original founder of CCW Safe, this is a guy who went through the judicial system in a very horrible way, uh, and had his own negative experience, and because of that, set this up right. So so it's it's you know the the team over there from from the top to the bottom, they're all people who get it. Yeah, and, and just to mention, you know, um, the lawyers actually the the two lawyers that handled my case, um, actually referred to Don as uh, Coach Don and. Um, Gary East, um, Gary Eastridge and, um, also Don would travel to North Carolina several times and what Gary did with his background and understanding of, um, you know, the judicial system, he was able to help give some, um, professional feedback on things that were done wrong. And Don, obviously with his background, he actually, um, we spent hours on Saturdays and Sundays going over. He would actually, uh, prepare me for trial by, um, acting as if he was the district attorney and just going through a line of questioning. And I can tell you that, again, a district attorney is, is their job is to take the facts and twist internal. Um, their job is not to look for the facts. It's their job to justify why they charge you with the crime that they charge you with. And so um, those are some very tough days. I mean, I remember one Saturday we worked for 12 hours going through mock trials and he would just kind of rip me apart and then rebuild me. And it was more of trying to prepare me for what I was going to have to deal with on the stand. So when I finally took the stand, I did want to testify. I wanted to share my story. Um, they planned on me spending one whole day up there because they knew I was going to be a line of questioning. Um, after working with Don, the district attorney put me up there on the stand and I swore to tell the whole truth. And I wanted to go into detail on every single thing. And because they prepared me, believe it or not, I was only on the stand for 20 minutes. So this is a guy that's charged with first-degree murder. You want him talking, right? 
that district attorney got me off that stand so fast because he didn't want to hear what happened that night. And so he saw I was well prepared. And that was because of the work that Gary and Don had contributed towards all those visits to North Carolina when they sat down and took me through the, 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 the physical or the, excuse me, the emotional abuse that I, I was uh, going to get from the district attorney. Mm-hmm. Wow. And for those who don't know, Gary is part of, you've mentioned Gary a few times, Gary is part of the CCW Safe uh, critical response team uh, over there. And Don, as we mentioned, is already kind of the, the, the national, head counsel. National, yeah. national trial counsel. Hey, um, is it okay if I keep you on just another minute or two, uh, No, Stephen? let's, um, I, I have time. Let's uh, go ahead and... Uh, uh, I've got a couple. Yeah, I've got a couple questions from a couple of listeners here, Uh, and so there's one here from Mark, and and Casey also asked the same question, and they ask, "Had you not given such extensive statements to the police in the beginning, do you think this would have gone the way it did? Would have gone all the way to court, for instance?" Yeah, I asked myself the same question. I think I think the detectives, um, and this goes to the whole thing of you know, if you find yourself in a situation where this event happens, um, what day of the night it is, all those things play a factor. I remember when I was being booked, the detective that took me into, or the police officer that took me into custody basically said, well, you know, if this was on a Thursday night, it'd probably be a different story, but, you know, you got a dead dead guy on a Saturday night, you know, at a, at a convention center. So um, they even made comments about, you know, you seem like you're a good guy and, you know, we don't know. We just want to put everything through. I think that they were going to charge me no matter what. I think the only difference would have been that they would have probably talked to those witnesses in advance um, rather than waiting until six weeks before trial. Mm. Um, but I have no idea. I, 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 I would like to think that um, that's not the case, but I, I would never know. Mm. Here's another question from Sean. He asks, do you think you would have been treated the same if you weren't a part of a motorcycle club or if you weren't in a motorcycle thing, attending this convention, that sort of thing? Absolutely. Yes. Mm. I think um, most people, again, I, I was part of a motorcycle organization with 25 individuals. These are lawyers. We have lawyers in our motorcycle organization. We have business owners, executives. Um, these are everyday working class individuals that love to ride Harley Davidson motorcycles. And the perception was the police is like, whoa, what's going on? This is, um, you know, motorcycle gangs. And, you know, absolutely. That played a role with them thinking that this was, um, I forgot the name of the motorcycle show um, with the motorcycle gang that used to come Orange. on. But, uh, oh, uh, you know, they, they made references that, you know, oh, these guys, uh, you know, badasses, they're in town. They're bringing all this trouble here. So the perception of a motorcycle mm. organization, I think that did play a role. And again, if you're a responsible gun owner, please note whether someone's looking at, you know, whether it's your race, your nationality, whether it's, you know, what type of organization you play or part of. All those things will contribute towards whether or not you're um, um, pretty much a stereotype. So, yeah, I, I definitely think they probably thought that we were a bunch of knuckleheads and um our backgrounds prove that differently and i think the jury was able to see that as well um because what happened was that with the police their cameras and dash cameras uh, are running non-stop all that's presented to us so we got a chance to see what they said behind the scenes and the prejudgment of you know us being some gang or something was part of the decision i think so yes yeah 
Yeah. Hmm. Steve, I, I think we're, we're coming up uh, towards the end of time. And I just want to tell you that, you know, I, I sometimes I, I feel a little bit guilty that we make you reshare this a little bit. Um, I know you've been through through a lot. Uh, it's been a little while now, but I want you to understand how inspiring and educational um, your story is for others. And I just want you to know that, you know, thousands of people are going to listen to this and they're all going to be thinking, man, that was amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to share uh, with 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 the community at large because now you're you're one of us we're one of you and we we're so glad that in the end it really did come out well but we're sorry you had to live through it uh, but but we appreciate you sharing your story no problem and again it's it's mainly I just want everybody to be I, I wish you know I would have heard this story before I experienced my situation and um, you know I, I think I, I I I couldn't change exactly what happened to me that night but everything I did after that would have been probably a little bit different. So um, I always say if you can learn through somebody else's mistakes, um, you know, learn through them. Uh, one of the things, although this was not a mistake of mine, um, fortunately I did not do this, but my attacker did do this, was about the things he posted on social media. Um, you know, the, the things he would do to people. All that helped paint the picture that this was not some innocent guy. This was a bully. This was a bully. This was somebody that was uh, um, aggressive. Um, this was somebody that was out looking for trouble that night. And thank goodness that they took his text messages and social media as well, because unlike him, mine was completely clean. I don't post anything on social media where his painted the picture exactly who he was and what he was looking for that night. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This has been a remarkable story and, and interview together with you today, Stephen. We appreciate you making time available to, to do this with us, sir. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And, and we certainly wish you the best of luck in all your future endeavors and that you're able to you know, fully recover from everything that happened uh, to you and, and move on with your life. Uh, just, you know, I know, and kind of, I think Jacob kind of said something similar there, but do you have any final last parting words for, for our guests and, and listeners on the show here? No, I would just say, you know, um, you know, again, for everybody, you know, you never know what district attorney has some type of political ambition or detectives may uh, be lazy or, you know, unethical. And, you know, you just want to make sure that you do everything possible to avoid having to discharge a firearm. You want that to be the last resort, because once you do that, again, it's not necessarily based off of facts and evidence. It's based off perception. And, um, you know, for me, I had CCW safe by my side that was able to change the narrative and force the um, jury to see what the police should have done um, 19 months before trial. Mm -hmm. So um, I would just say be responsible and and, and um, try to avoid any type of uh, altercation at all. Yeah. Wise words, sir. Again, good luck to you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Well, folks, uh, by, my goodness, uh, did you get your money's worth or what from that interview? And and the fun, funny thing is, you all didn't pay anything to listen to this, but <laughs> but you got so you got more than than your money's worth. I would say. What did you think, Jacob? Uh, I, I thought this was fantastic. You know, when I when I heard Steve's story originally, obviously not from Steve, but from someone else. Uh, I, I was so flabbergasted, not not by the you know the reality that he had to defend himself and, with a firearm and that, that he was tried. I think we've had some of those stories before. What I found so powerful about this is that I think Steve's story is the perfect illustration of an absolute reality, 100% of the time, and that reality is you know that you need to come with the right resources. Certainly financial. I mean, we, you heard some dollar amounts. I mean, 
<laughs> you certainly got to have financial resources, but it's also about having the right team. It's about having the right people. And you know, he he had some good local attorneys, but those local attorneys they were backed up by you know the best legal resources that exist in this country uh, that money could buy, right? As far as the private investment. And so, you know, you, you hear all those little details and we only heard pieces of it. You heard about how they uh, they negotiated some some changes about his exit from his job. You you heard about how they got him the, the, the bond from the bail bondsman and they, got it, they made that happen faster than it probably would have happened. You heard about the private investigators who went out and interviewed people while the statements were fresh. Um, they, how prepared they were. I mean, to have Don West sitting down with you on Saturdays and Sundays all day long, uh, you know, helping you prepare for, for, for going on the witness stand. I mean, over and over again, to have someone go and call out the state medical examiner and make them revise their statement. Um, Again, I don't, I don't, I don't mean for this to be a CCW Safe commercial. Though certainly, if you're listening to this, you should, at very least, you should know that CCW Safe is a very legitimate company that stands behind what they they say they'll do and they'll do it. And it's worth checking them out, at very least, relative to to other competitors that might be out there. And we'll give you some more resources for that uh, here in a minute. But I think what I do want this to be a commercial for, if nothing else, I, I think. You know, some, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm rambling. There's a couple major takeaways here. One, you heard something you, you sh- you've probably heard many times before, which is crap ain't worth it. It ain't worth it, right? Do not raise that gun and shoot unless it is worth it because your life will be turned upside down and this is going to be horrible for you and your family. You, you heard also that if you can bring the resources to bear, you're gonna, and, and, you, and you, you did good things, right? You were a good person. You didn't cross the line you're going to win. like, And you're not just going to win a little bit. You're going to be the guy that scares the crap out of the DA. And he wants you off the witness stand after 20 minutes because he doesn't want you to keep talking. right? I mean, it's, it's just, to me, it's, it is the perfect illustration of so many of these things we preach all the time. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, I, I like how you said that. And, and this story really does paint that picture very well as far as, is it worth it? Is Is it worth to go through all this stuff potentially that Stephen just described, and he isn't even giving the half of it. You know, there was things that he didn't go into, things he wouldn't go into, things that we didn't need to go into necessarily, as far as behind the scenes in his life, what that was like dealing with emotionally, uh, physically, even you know, relationship-wise with his family, with his friends, with his coworkers, with his employer. I mean, all this stuff. I mean, just it, it completely changed his life for the rest of his life, and then still having to live with. I, I, the fact I killed a man, yes, justified, perhaps, you know, I, but I, I still did that, right? So, um, that's, um, that's a lot to take up, take upon yourself because you pulled the trigger. Uh, we see comments thrown around there, and there's so many great takeaways from this interview about the, the need to be careful on social media and what that can potentially do. Uh, we, we, we learned how the social media accounts of the, of the, of the guy that he shot, how that hurt, you know, the prosecution's case, uh, and the fact that Stevens' postings and his social media presence was relatively clean of things that it, d- it didn't hurt him. Okay, so so that that boded well for him. And we see such sorry stupid comments that are made all the time on social media about things that are way over the line. Especially if you ever were in a case like this. Trust me, that stuff is going to get dug up and it is going to hurt when that gets thrown out there as far as, you know, it paints a picture of of your mindset, of your beliefs, of who you are deep down inside, you know, what what you what who you are in your heart. And uh that that is not going to, you know, 
bode very well for you in terms of your character, especially. And that does play a part, particularly in swaying that jury. Okay, so anyway, uh, fantastic interview, and, and we're just so uh, happy and thrilled and, and, and gracious and grateful for uh, having uh, Stephen be, uh, be willing to come on the podcast with us here today. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was incredible, Jacob. Today's episode, by the way, in case you couldn't guess, <laughs> brought to you by CCW Safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and we do that because they, they're, they were kind enough to introduce us to Steve yeah. and to help us arrange this interview. We heard about Steve's story and we said, we need to talk to this dude. And it was because of our, our, our friends at CCW Safe that we were able to get his phone number to make the phone call, to make the arrangements and bring you this interview. And we're very grateful for that opportunity. And, and we hope that you, you took a lot from it also. Yeah. Um, now, all, all that said, I've said a couple of times, you know, for me, the biggest takeaway is you should have coverage from one of these competing uh, companies. Now, many of you are aware on our website, we have, in my opinion, not only the best, but arguably like the only up-to-date comparison chart of all of the different self-defense insurance providers. You can find that at concealedcarry.com forward slash insurance. Real easy, concealedcarry.com forward slash insurance. And I'm not going to talk about any of the uh, competitors right now, but I will t- give you just a little bit of information about CCW Safe. I think it's worth knowing this. And and for me, CCW Safe was like a like a hidden, you know, like I don't think they get a lot of press, and I don't think they get a lot of people talking about them relative to some of the other competitors out there. But th- there's some things that are really impressive. For one, they have unlimited coverage for attorney fees, both criminal and civil. Unlimited. It's not up to X millions. It's unlimited, and a million dollars in civil damages. Now. There are competitors that, that do well in those categories, but that's extremely impressive and sets them apart in a lot of ways. And I, I think that you know you can go check the you can go check the the chart you know and, and if you if you want to learn more about CCW Safe, you don't want to see our chart, you can just go directly to concealedcarry.com forward slash CCW Safe, and we have a link set up like that for all the different insurance players. But concealedcarry.com forward slash CCW Safe. I, I guess the biggest thing I would impart on you, and I think all of these competing companies have advantages. So I think that you, they all have advantages. Like I I can point at any one of them and say, that's what they do the best. But I don't think you can find anyone that's going to have as effective, from my experience and what I know, um, as effective uh, uh, of a response team. I, I just don't, I, I, I know of another incident that took place on Thanksgiving day, just last year, 2018. And this person was involved in a shooting on Thanksgiving Day. They're a member of three of these companies, one of them being CCW Safe. They called the critical response team of all three of them. Okay, I won't tell you who the other two were. That wouldn't be very nice or appropriate. But only CCW Safe answered the phone and got and, and said, we're on our way. And they were boots on the ground in Las Vegas where the incident took place before end of day on Thanksgiving Day on a holiday. Uh, the, of the other two companies, one of them answered and said, uh, we can't help you much today, but tomorrow we'll get you an attorney. And the third one didn't even answer the phone. So I, I just, I don't, I don't, you know, you heard it from Steve today, but I, I would just tell you that to, to me, that's the thing that shines the most for CCW safe. Yeah, it's great, great points. Uh, and it's true. Uh, you know, we, we've we've heard that straight from the founders mouths as far as how seriously they take those cases and respond uh, and that's a big deal and that, that's a big uh, big advantage um 
All right, so also a couple other things I just want to throw out there. I don't mean to water things down at all, but uh, today's episode also just want to highlight the fact that this week we have a sale on holsters on concealedcarry.com. Of course, you should have a quality holster, right? So save 15% this week on all holsters on our site by using coupon code TAXDAY15, T-A-X-D-A-Y-1-5. And then we'll just throw out one as well that, hey, we started a new podcast this week. Uh, it's still not quite up on iTunes, but it is appearing in other podcast uh, feeds. And so that's the Firearm Trainers podcast. If you're interested, go check that out. And I interviewed the new host of that, uh, Rob Beckman, uh, on the podcast just uh, this last Tuesday. Uh, so anyway, we hope that you'll uh, throw some love uh, the Firearm Trainers podcast way as well. All right, so with that, it is time to wrap it up. Uh, thanks, everyone, for being here and being part of this show. Uh, this was remarkable and uh, certainly a memorable interview for, for I think, all of us uh, for a long time. <laughs> so it's going to probably, it's certainly going to go down to my favorites in the history books. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.